Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Uh, we want to have the kids join us at the end of the service. If you can just maybe just let them know, give them a heads up that we'll call them so that all the, the families uh, can take communion together and we can all, as a church family, take communion together. Um, my wife and I, as some of you know, just came back from a, a missions trip to America. So uh, we, we're a little bit jet-lagged still. So to give you an idea, it's 3 a.m. in the morning in America. So I'm a little bit like 3 a.m.-ish at the moment. Right? So this is family moment, right? So if I need to yawn or something, please just forgive me. It's a, it's a church, church family. Amen? Is that all right? <laughs> um, but, but the intercessors will tell you this is the significant time of the day, right? 3 a.m. in the morning, it's like the third watch. Significant stuff happened then, so I'm claiming that as, as, as this 3 a.m., um, since my body's still there. I want to I wanna just uh, share a message and invitation this morning to join me on a, a little journey that I believe God invites, uh, is inviting me on, and um, I think often, often in ministry, um, you know, God speaks something to you, and you sort of, you sort of, um, you sort of have to many times hold back on, on the word God gives you um, because it's not necessarily the right timing to release the word. Sometimes God, God gives you a word um, and, you know, there's a waiting period and then he releases you. Um, this time I felt the opposite. I felt, God, I'm not ready, you know. I'm, you know, you know I, I, I want to I wanna share this word a bit later, but I just felt such an urgency, such an invitation from the heart of the Father um, to join him uh, or to join in, in going deeper into him. Um, and so I've titled the message Mount Sinai, an invitation to go deeper. So, of course, it's speaking about the, the biblical account of the Exodus, the book of Exodus. Um, so I'm going to be sharing um, from a couple of verses in the book of Exodus. Um, but this, this invitation, so I want to, I want to invite you to join me. Um, on this, this journey this morning. And so um, I'll, I'll just throughout give a couple of feedback points. Thanks for everyone that, that prayed for us as we went to America. Um, God was just so amazing, so faithful, um, built such great relationships and um, saw miracles, um, people being healed, um, God intervening in amazing ways. Um, Liana will probably give the more uh, systematic feedback at some point. I'm not so good with the systematic feedback, but I'll give a little bit of feedback. And the, the, I think the, the biggest thing that's really um, inspired me going to America was um, our two disciples, our two revivalists, in fact, in America. Uh, some of you will remember Corne Small. So, uh, so Corne is in Philadelphia. And uh, he's doing amazing things. He's like living passionately, um, empowered by the spirits over there. And um, Dylan, um, a lot of you will remember Dylan. He's just so on fire, so passionate. And it was just so inspiring um, to see him. He literally went back. So Dylan, if you don't know, he was a member of our church, intern for three months. That was the time that he spent here. God like radically flipped his life around. He went back to the States. He lives in Ohio, Dayton. Um, he, he, God came and he just really touched his whole family. 
um, his, his sisters recently uh, came to the Lord, her husband, um, his dad came to the Lord, um, and um, also he led his now wife to the Lord as well. Um, so, so God really, you know, turned his life in just three months. And I was just so inspired to see um, these two men, of, men and women of God, of men of God, you know, you know, now Brittany is also part of the, the picture and, and also just family out there. But just to see how they carry the seed of revival. So Dylan, Dylan went back for the, the School of Nations people. He took back his School of Nations manual and he worked it through with his parents. And, you know, God just moved, not because the content is so great, but because they carry the seed of revival, right? And, and so um, I want to just show you a little uh, testimony. Do we have that video? Okay, so they're going to show the video. But um, God just um, spoke so many things prophetically over Dylan. Um, and he went back and he, he, you know, God's a real practical God. So he, 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 had, he had built a business in just the last year and a half. And his business is absolutely flourishing. He's got a landscaping business. He started employing people. He's got a vision to um, employ um, at-risk youth um, to take them out of difficult situations and to bring them and to give them jobs and then to disciple them. So he, he like, disciples these guys. He, he builds into them, and he's, like, he's built his business, like, in, like, supernatural time. He's, you know, he was, he was a... Um, he was working by himself doing the landscaping, and now he's got about five staff. Um, he's got um, like three pickup trucks now um, in America. It's not a bucky. It's like these massive pickup trucks. <laughs> um, and so he's built this business. But I want to show you a quick testimony of a, um, how God touched one of these guys in another ministry. Um, but they like, they like just, this is his staff now, are like revivalists. Um, you know, they do landscaping, but they just, you know, pray for people for healing and, and, and bless people. So if you can. Mm. Dylan, how old is Dylan? Yeah, I think he's even younger. Yeah, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's, and supernatural time. Like I said, a year and a half. He was, he was with us last year. And, you know, God spoke prophetic words of him, and he's like, he's like went back and he's lived the prophetic words. It's just happening. But just a little testimony of... Let's, let's, let's retry that if it's, uh, if it's possible. You need interpretation of tongues to, to, to get, that, get that last part. Are we having any success there? Technical difficulties, has it crashed? Let's give it another three seconds. More. Three. Two. We're testing... The technical team's faith here, faith here this morning. Three, two.
Okay, we're not going to watch it a second time. Thanks, guys. Great. Well done for the three-second rule there. Well done for getting that. That right. So that was Dylan there on the right-hand side. You saw him there at the end. Um, and it's just incredible, just that healing story. I mean, how amazing is that? Miracle. You know, you pretty much need your arm to do landscaping because they do like really, really a manual labor, a hard labor. So it's an incredible story. And they're just so full of God, so passionate. So that's really, really exciting. So Exodus chapter 19 verse 4 reads, God speaking over, um, over his people. Um, and he's saying the following. He says, um, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and how I brought, how, how I brought you to myself. And so this is, this is the, one of the most incredible stories. And I, I've, I've been speaking about Exodus for, for a couple of weeks already. But one of the most incredible stories of God coming to liberate a nation, a whole nation, more than a million people, um, were in bondage in Egypt, slaves working for Pharaoh. And God came and he did signs and wonders. Um, and then God in the desert now, we, we pick up the story. Um, God comes to speak to the people. He says, um, did you not see what I did in Egypt? I did amazing things, wonders, signs and wonders. And how I lifted you up on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Um, you know, God did all the work. God did the saving, um, and, and God brought the people to himself. And so the, the intention of the story of the Exodus was always to bring people to this mountain. Um, we, we often think, you know, the story, because we've, we've learned um, in Sunday school that they went to the promised land, but no, God did not redeem them to go to the promised land. God redeemed them to himself. The intention, the, the plan was to go to Mount Sinai, right? And, and, and there they would, they would meet this God again, the God of their fathers, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God had redeemed them, and, and he wanted to draw them to himself. Even through Moses, God said to Pharaoh, let my people go, not so that they can go to the promised land, but that they might worship me in the wilderness. And so... Um, this, this, and I want you to see um, the Old Testament, of course, is, is the shadow of things to come. Um, so I want you to see, you know, the story of Exodus is so, so powerful, so rich in, um, in carrying meaning of the coming of Jesus. So last, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about Passover. Um, the last of the, uh, the miracles that God did, um, symbolizing the, the lamb, the blood of the lamb covering us in the new covenant. So I want you to see um, the elements of, of us today. And so um, the intention is God saves us so that we might be with him. You know, we see in the, in, in the Gospels, it says, um, Jesus called his disciples for one purpose, not to do things, well, yes, eventually to do things, but firstly, to be with Jesus to spend time with Jesus. So I want to I invite you, like I said earlier, just into deeper intimacy with God. Um, and that, I believe, is in his heart, on his heart. Um, Johannes mentioned the, the intercession team, and the intercession team this morning gave me license. Um, you, know, you know, the year, like, you know, normally this time slows down. 
So your year might slow down, but your relationship with God's going to pick up. Right? You're going to just experience more and more of God. God's not, we're not in His. God doesn't fit into our timing. We fit into His timing. Right? And so God's in, there's this real intense invitation, I believe, into revival. Because He is revival. You know, when we meet with God, He revives us. He is revival in person. And so, the first step in God coming to us is He, he, he saves us. He, he gives us what we call saving favor. Favor means unmerited grace, right? Something we get from God, we don't deserve it, but He gives it to us. Again, Christianity is the only religion, all religions, and I've studied religions, all religions is about man performing for deity, Man doing works for the deity, to appease the deity, to get the deity's favor. Um, man um, doing works, whether it's um, some, some of the sects of Christianity, whether it's um, Islam, Hinduism, all the religions is about what can man do and can he do more good than he can do bad? Or can he, can he get himself into such a, such a state um, of, awareness and consciousness that he reaches this euphoria, all right? Um, whereas Christianity, God comes to do. God comes to work before we do anything. Jesus saved us, right? God is the God who initiates. He's the one that extends favor. So if you are sitting here, you have favor with God. Did you know that? Just, just like in, as a basic, it's, it's, it's been given to you freely. Just because you believe, you get favor extended to you. Isn't that amazing? You haven't done anything, right? And Jesus illustrates it to us by getting baptized, right? He didn't need to get baptized. He didn't need to um, be washed and symbolically cleansed of his sin because he was sinless. But he did it on our behalf, so that we would see. But, but, but Jesus went un, under the waters, was baptized, and then God the Father said, this is my beloved son, and I'm well pleased. I'm, I'm, I'm extending. I've already given him my favor, right? Um, and Jesus had grace and favor. But he gives it to us, and because the, the writer of Hebrews says, we can now freely go to God. We can freely um, approach his throne with confidence, with a boldness, right? Not because, again, of what I've done and how, how spiritual I am or how many works I've done or how long I've been serving God, but just because of His favor, His grace and favor, the blood of Jesus, which we're going to celebrate in a second again, um, I can just approach God as a son and I can, just, I can just access His presence. I can just walk straight in. Right? It's like, it's like you're just walking into your parents' room. You just go there. This is this liberty. I can walk in. Right? I don't have to stand outside the door, outside the house, knock on the door, ring the bell. Please let me in. Please, parents. I don't know if anyone said that. Please let me in. No, you can just open the door and come in freely. God's throne is available to us. We can access God freely because of His favor, because He lifted us up on eagles' wings. And then the next a couple of verses, you can read. I'm not just going to touch on some of the passages, but it's so amazing. 
um, verse 4 says, I lifted you up on eagle's wings. And further on, it says that, that I lifted you up on eagle's wings so that you would become my special treasure. Isn't that beautiful? God then comes and he calls us his special treasure. No, no matter what you've done, right? No matter what you've, you know, you know, the depth of your sin, right? No matter how much pride you had, no matter how much, you know, lustful lifestyle you had, God comes, he redeems you, and he calls you his special treasure. Isn't that amazing, right? So again, back to the, the parallel picture of, of Mount Sinai. So God, God lifts them up, pulls them out of Egypt, and he does all the miracles, the signs and the wonders, the the, you know, the, the, the Red Sea opening up, and then they go into the desert, and then, you know, as I said, the, the, the goal was Mount Sinai, that moment where they would meet with God. So then we pick up um, at verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 21. Did I skip anything? No. Sorry, chapter 19, verse 20. Then the Lord came down, Upon Mount Sinai, so the, 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 the whole million people, the nation of Israel had camped at the mountain. Moses went up the mountain. Um, then it says, Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through the gaze and gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through and come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people. And spoke to them. So here's this really interesting conversation um, that God has. Almost dramatic conversation that God has with Moses. And you, you pick up this real tension in this, this conversation. In fact, you pick up this, 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 this tension in God. Um, in that he, he really loved the people. You know, you can almost sense... Um, the, the passion that God had for the people in, in delivering them. And then he says, but I brought you um, on eagle's wings to myself. But at the same time, you know, there's this, there's this, you know, what if the people come and they are found to not be holy? Um, and there's, again, powerful symbology. And we need, to, we need to dig a little deeper into this. But, but you see God wanting to be with the people, but then Moses almost stopping God and saying, God, but listen, what about the people? Because you warned us because they would, might be destroyed because they're not holy, right? And we see something, something that happened in the hearts of the people. Um, and we know the story. We know the fact that down the mountain they were busy with the calf. They had just seen the miracles of God, but yet they made an idol, right? There was this idol that they were, were worshiping, um, and so God had realized, but listen, they're not holy anymore, so coming into my presence will be damaging to them. You know, but, but yet his heart longed for the people. 
So, Bill Johnson says the following. He says, we steward the presence of God by learning to obey the command, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and do not quench the Spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. We grieve Him when we do something wrong. We quench Him when we fail to do what is right. Stopping the flow of His love and stopping the flow of His love and the power that comes from the Father. Jesus modeled that life could, uh, what life could be like when a person neither grieves nor quenches the Holy Spirit. And so you see, something, something had gone wrong at Mount Sinai because Moses went up the mountain, and and you know, it's another another scripture. God says that. To my servants, the prophets, I speak to them in, in riddles and in dreams, but my servant Moses, I speak to him face to face. That's the sort of intimacy that Moses had with God. He could speak to God face to face. He went up the mountain and he had this real intimacy. But the, the sad story, and see, the scriptures are there for us not just to learn from the examples of those that did things right, but also from the failures of those that had missed it. Aren't we blessed to have the word? And so, and so we see here that a whole nation missed it right then and there. We know, we know the, the whole story, and, and some of us sometimes we think they missed it just before the Jordan, right? When, you know, they sent in the spies into the promised land and they saw the giants. But no, that's not where they missed it. They missed it at Mount Sinai because they had missed their encounter, their visitation with God at the mountain. That's where they were to meet with God. And if they had met with God there, and they got to the Jordan, and they saw the giants and the massive cities and the, the, the land flowing with milk and honey, they would have no fear in them because they had met their God at Mount Sinai. But they did not. Right? Who, was, who were the guys that, that had no fear? Was it Joshua ben Caleb? And uh, Matthew was sharing about Joshua earlier, but, but so powerful about Joshua. Yes, he met God there at the Jordan, uh, the commander of the armies. But if you read the, um, the, the, you know, Exodus chapter 20, you'll see that when Moses went up the mountain, Joshua was halfway up, right? He had a heart for God, and he had an encounter with God, Joshua, there at the Mount Sinai, right? But there's this... There's this real tension that we see in the passage here where God wants to be with the people, but the people have decided, had decided in themselves they want to distance themselves from God, right? They want to keep a distance because of the fear that is in, it, in them, and I'm going to explain that in a second. Um, but they had the invitation, but they chose... To miss the invitation. They said, Moses, you rather go and speak with your God. Right? We'll stay here at a distance. Right? And that distance, you know, we can still have that distance, even through Jesus um, and accepting the cross today, you and I can have a distance between us and God. Right? You decide how much you make yourself vulnerable to intimacy to God. Right? Are you going to keep that, that safe distance? Because yes, it's it's dangerous to come before God because when you come to God, He exposes everything in you, right? It's, you know, it's, it's like the book of Revelation says He can see right through us with those flaming eyes. He sees 
every part of your being. And so when we realize, but listen, there's, there's sin in my heart, God. We want to keep this distance between us and God, right? Um, and if you always, you can be a believer, you can be a Christian, but if you keep that distance, you're missing the intimacy. You're missing everything, right? It's not like you're just missing, you know, a little bit of a, you know, you could be like Moses. You could, um, you know, you could have a better, more powerful experience in Christianity. Now you're missing the whole thing because it's about God. It's about this person that loves you and that wants you to come close. You know, the book of James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, right? You almost need to make yourself vulnerable Say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm scared because I know what's in me, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to move closer to you. And even if it means I need to give up certain things, certain sin, certain idols, certain um, likes or dislikes. And sometimes we have this, these false perceptions about God. God, you're going to take everything away from me. But no, God's a good father. And that's where, where, where trust comes in. No, he's the one that lifted me up on eagle's wings and he brought me to himself, right? His intentions are absolutely good, right? You cannot trust your own intentions concerning yourself. Did you know that, right? God's intentions towards you are more trustworthy than your own intentions. Isn't that a mind-blowing concept, Right? Turn to someone next to you and say, you cannot trust your own intentions. Trust God's intentions. Sometimes, and, 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 and we're, touching, we're touching on this concept of holiness, Right? What is holiness? What is this, this, this theme that we see all throughout Scripture where, you know, the people that knew God, they feared God and they said, He's holy. Thanks for the worship team for, you know, singing songs of God's holiness. Isn't that amazing? God had prepared even that part of this morning. Um, God is holy. Um, and it's, 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 it's a, such a difficult concept for us to work with. In fact, let's, let's go on to the, in the next passage, and we're gonna, um, it's going to be really apparent, this concept of holiness. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 to 21. The, the, the heading of this, this passage actually says, the people afraid of God's presence. So we see this, this story continuing. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings. So God had come down on the mountain. They witnessed the thunderings and the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. You see that distance again. Call it the theology of distance. They, they distanced themselves from God where God, as God's invitation was to draw them near or to come near so that he would come near to them. Then they said to Moses, you, um, you speak with us and we will hear. We don't want to hear from God directly. We want to hear from you. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, 
for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. And then this, the, the, the sad verse again, verse 21. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near to the thick cloud darkness where God was. So there's this, there's this, um, there's this duality. There's this, um, there's this real need to discern um, of what is happening. So, um, what the people interpreted as um, distractions, the, the thunder, the lightning, they interpret that those works of God with fear. Whereas Moses interpreted as wonders, right? God came down on the mountain. This is glorious. It's an invitation to go deeper in God. And it's it's safe to be with God. So there's this tension between um, distraction and wonder. Um, then there's a tension being by, of, of being afraid and fear. Um, the people were afraid, whereas Moses had fear of God. All right? And both these concepts are so close, but yet they're so far. So the people were afraid they ran away from God. Moses had the fear of God, which drew him near to God, right? He understood who God was. And so, um, and, and the other one is, is, the other tension is a favor and works, okay? Moses understood that he has relationship with God. He met this God at the burning bush, and he, he, he grew closer to this God, and from that place, God had sent him to do things. The people felt that they needed to do, and that's why in their ignorance and in certain intentions that they thought was pure, they built this calf, which symbolized to them this God that brought them out of Egypt, but God had seen that as idolatry because it was not him. It was gold and material things, right? So you see this this. this confusion, right? We see this real confusion because the people don't understand. These two concepts, they're so close, but they're so far, and the people need to discern. So sometimes we experience God, and we experience some of His grace even, and we misinterpret Him like the Jews did. They misinterpret it, and so there's this real need um, to really discern When we seek his face from the favor we have, we increase in favor itself. So I call it the Moses factor, right? Moses understood that he just needs to draw near to God. He needs to find this God. He needs to connect with God. And then God um, would respond in relationship. He understood that God was interested in the relational aspect. He wants to, he wants to restore that place um, that he had for him. And so the key concept here is hunger, right? The more Moses spent time with God, the more hungry he became for God. The more he experienced, the more he wanted. Isn't that amazing? You, you, you hunger and you thirst for the thing that you fill yourself with, 
right? If you fill yourself with bad things, let's, let's talk about the natural. If you, I just came from America. There they love fast food. It's amazing. You know, we've got Burger King, we've got McDonald's, we've got KFC. When I'm in South Africa, I don't like fast food, right? When I'm in America, suddenly I'm like, wow, fast food, right? You want to just eat fast food. The weird thing is, you know, the, the first time you eat the fast food, you're like, oh, it's so fatty. It's so, it, it doesn't accommodate with my body. And just eat it a couple of times. Then quickly you find yourself at, you know, Burger King or, you know, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Anyone heard the, heard the new album from Kanye West? Isn't that an incredible story? If you haven't heard, go and find out. He had just had a radical encounter with God, and literally millions of people around the world are, are watching this testimony unfold of this, this rapper that had a massive following, you know, and he just turned to God, and he's just passionate about God, right? And so it's, it's, it's such an incredibly powerful testimony in America. Um, I think all over the world, but particularly in America. So if you don't know about the story, go and listen to Kanye West, and now he's, he's just inspiring millions to Jesus. Really amazing. Um, but so you hunger for that which you feed yourself with. Right? If you continuously eat fast food, you're going to crave fast food. Okay? If you continuously feed yourself with good stuff, you'll start hungering for the good stuff. Right? And that's, that's the Moses, Moses principle. Is Moses fed himself with the presence of God. And he kept on hungering for the presence of God. The Jews in the desert, what did they continuously do? What are they famous for? They were famous for moaning, right? Yes, manna. They had manna, but they even moaned about the manna, right? Isn't that amazing? God sends them from heaven. I mean, how much more of a sign do you want? Food from heaven, and they, they, they moan, right? God gives them water from a rock, supernaturally provides for them. Eventually, they start moaning, all right? And we see a whole generation. It's, 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 this, it's uh, both the most incredible story, the, the story of Exodus, but it's also the saddest story ever because a whole generation had passed away in the desert because they had missed their visitation at Mount Sinai. Right? From that point, everything was bad. Everything was sad. They had filled themselves with... with um, and yet every time there's a confrontation... Who can remember what they said? Take us back to Egypt, to the place of slavery, right? Because there, you know, we desire for um, the pots, you know, the, the, the meat pots in Egypt, right? In other words, we are hungry for something else, right? Moses, we can see you are hungry for something different, but we are hungry for something else. Right, And then when they eventually, I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing, I'm saying this over and over, but I really want us to get the point because some of us are stuck at the promised land, right? We want to enter those promises that God has given us. He's, he's given us prophetic words and we, we like really want to see it come to pass. And some of us have been stuck at the Jordan for such a long time and it's just not happening, right? It's God in his mercy 
not allowing it to happen because you first need to meet God at Mount Sinai. You're so focused on the promised land that you, you, you're missing the promiser of the promised land. All right? Go back. Go back. Take a, it's a, the desert is an opportunity to meet with God. Right? The desert, and it's not a bad place. It is a bad place without God, but with God, it's incredible. Right? It's, it's amazing. There's the cloud by day, um, the fire by night, uh, enough food to eat. They, every time it says they had more than enough, they had enough to drink, but yet they complained because their minds were focused on something different. Right? Um, but when they got to the promised land, Joshua and Caleb, they had met with their maker. They knew who their God was, and so they could face any giant, any opposition, any massive city with massive walls, intimidating circumstances, but also carrying the blessing, right? Sometimes God calls us, and maybe this is a word for someone. I don't prepare to say this, but maybe God calls you to take two steps back, right, to go five steps forward. But, but, but listen to that call. Listen to the, the yearning of the Holy Spirit, the call of the Holy Spirit to draw near, right, and to meet God at Mount Sinai. Won't you, won't you stand with me this morning? We're living in times in, in, in a nation and in a continent with real desperation. Speaking of hunger, we have um, incredibly alarming stats in South Africa. Sometimes we get focused on, on the facts. Sometimes we need to allow the facts to allow us to hunger God more, right? Um, you know, it was like Moses. He, he, he saw the people and he had a heart for the people. They were slaves in Egypt. And, and because God had seen his heart, because God actually had a, sorry, Moses actually had a heart for the people before he met God in the burning bush, right? When he met God in the burning bush, it was like God just gave him a new heart for the people. And not just did he have a heart for the people, but he had the empowering of, of God's presence with him. And so in, in South Africa, we're in a really difficult time. There's, um, it's the worst unemployment rate we've seen. Um, just some stats from... Um, Stats South Africa. Um, youth aged 15 to 24 years are the most vulnerable in South Africa. South African labor market as the unemployment rate among this group was 55.2% in the first quarter of 2019. 55.2%. I don't know about you, but that is um, really alarming. Among graduates in this group, the unemployment rate was 31% during the period compared to 19.5% in that quarter in 2018, an increase of 11.4 percent, uh, yeah, percentage points um, quarter on quarter. So sometimes what we see, sometimes the stats, sometimes what we experience around us, God doesn't call us to forget what we see. God doesn't call us to put blinkers on and close our ears. He chooses us to engage but not with despondence, right? Because that's, that's what we often do. We, 
we get overwhelmed. The need is so intense. The need is so, so dire. And then we get to end up being depressed because how can we do anything? But what we see should inspire us to go up the mountain with God. That's what Moses did. Every time, and you would see his real despondence. Every time he went to Pharaoh, I mean, Moses experienced the most intense rejection that you could. But what we see should inspire us to go up the mountain with God. That's what Moses did. Every time, and you would see his real despondence. Every time he went to Pharaoh, I mean, Moses experienced the most intense rejection that you could imagine. He went to, to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to him, sorry, you know, I see what you're doing, but I'm not interested, right? But every time he would go back to the God of the burning bush, right? He would go back to that presence, and he would encounter this God again, and he would be revived, and he would be refreshed, Right? But then Mount Sinai happened and there was a complete shift in Moses, right? He could see Moses face to face and everything changed from there. He would see that up till then, Moses had walked amongst the people. But after then, he walked in front of the people. Because he realized that he's there to be an example to the people. Right? When he's amongst the people, the moaning, the everything gets to him. He cannot let that be his influence. He needs to be up the mountain so that he can be influenced by God. So I mention these things because we live in a reality, a real world. And God has called us to live in the real world with real challenges, real struggles. But that we would bring those challenges to him and that those challenges would inspire us to go deeper into Him. So I want to ask us to close our eyes. And I want us in just a dear holy moment. See, I mentioned holiness and I didn't really come back to it, but holiness could either be interpreted, and like I said, discernment is needed. It could either be interpreted as foreignness or it could be otherness. If it's foreignness, we distance ourselves from God. If it's otherness, meaning this God is not like us. The Bible says, worship Him in the beauty of His holiness. So holiness is not foreignness as someone that is, that is um, so different that we cannot come to Him. No, God comes to us and his holiness is his beauty in other words it's intriguing we want to have more of him that's holiness holiness is his beauty so I want to just in a moment of holiness I want you just to resonate in your heart if it resonates in your heart if you want to say Jesus God, I'm going to come up this mountain with you. I'm going to embrace the favor at my salvation, that which you gave freely to me. And then I want to choose God to, to bridge the distance, to, to do the uncomfortable thing, to bridge the gap. 
and to come to you. And God, I'm going to choose to make the right decisions to interpret your signs as not as distractions, but as wonders. Because you are wonderful, God. We want to say that this morning. I want to, while every eye is closed, I want you to put up your hand. Say, yes, Jesus, I'm coming up the mountain with you. It's uncomfortable, I'm even afraid. But I choose the fear of the Lord instead of being afraid. 